Gary and Dave shared credit on the white bus But as things advanced, their relationship was on the rocks Maybe less people know his name But he revolutionized war games With the first fantasy campaign So that is the last time you will hear that piece of music. It was Arneson by T.J. Drennan. And I must admit, I'm sad not to be hearing that one anymore because that's really etched into my brain after all the, po- the Anchorite podcast. This is the last episode of the Anchorites Appreciate Arneson Month. And this one's entitled, I Too Am A Designer. And the idea behind this one is that we would write a rules light game, release it as a creative common and talk about it on our podcast. So here is my entry. My entry was inspired by a chat on the Audio Dungeon Discord. October has also been a horror month or spooky horror month. And a few of us have been chatting about films we've been watching during the month of October. And I thought, yeah, there ain't enough horror games. So I'm going to do a horror game. So this is my idea. And the game is called Scream and Scream Again. And that was inspired by a Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee film from probably the late 60s, very late 60s, early 70s. But the title says it all. It's obviously horror and it's a play on the Scream franchise as well. So the first thing you've got to decide when you're designing a game is the mechanic. And if it's going to be rules light, it's got to be a nice, simple mechanic. And I've always enjoyed dice pools. And there are several versions of dice pools. Starting back with Tones and Trolls, it was a handful of dice. You rolled them all and added them together, and that was your score. West End Games took the system or the idea and ran with it in their Star Wars, Ghostbusters and Indiana Jones games, where you rolled your dice, add them up, and trying to meet a target number. And this is all fine and well if people can do simple maths. And although most of us take it for granted addition, some people with dyslexia and conditions like that do struggle to add up. A simpler system and a dice pool is looking for successes. And this might be just counting even numbers of successes, counting five or six of successes on the D6 or something like that. Nice simple system. But I wanted to go even simpler than that with a dice pool. And this system was inspired by Sorcerer by Ron Edwards. When you roll a dice pool and you look for the highest dice, nice and simple. So, scream and scream again. You are a star in a horror movie. And when you think of a horror movie, you've got to think of the troops of let's split up. The car won't start. It's safe now. What's behind me? Who's there? So let's face it, you're doomed to die. The only question is when. For this system, you're going to use the simple D6 available everywhere. So you're going to look for your polyhedral dice, your simple D6, radio monopoly set, radio risk set. You've got your dice. The first thing to do is create a character. So before you create your character, you've got to think of an archetype that is present in a horror movie. 
and give them a suitable cheesy name. So it might be the ace reporter, the deputy, the lovers sneaking away, the college students, the athletic brat. Think of your archetype. Attributes. There are four attributes. Body, agility, wit and charm. Body covers your strength, fighting and endurance. Agility is your dexterity, shooting. Wit is your perception and intelligence. And charm is your persuasion and intimidation. You've got 13 points to put into your four attributes. And yes, 13 is a lucky number, so that's why I chose number 13. You must put a minimum of one point into each of your attributes. And that is the only rule that I've decided on. That minimum one point and you've got 13 points to spend. The number you put in there is the dice you, number of dice you're going to roll for the pool of dice for that attribute. You also have a fifth attribute called survival, which is equal to your wit plus your charm. So add your wit plus your charm, and that is your health score. The reason I chose wit and charm is, in horror movies, the dope and unpopular people are usually the first ones to die. So if you haven't got much wit and much charm, you're going to die quicker. If you're stronger and more agile, you're more likely to survive the horror. Once you've put your 13 points into your attributes, you want to pick three positive traits. And this is free form. You can pick three things you are good at. So it might be if you're a football player, that's your, your athletic. It might be you're good at computer hacking. It might be you're a racing driver. Think of three things you are good at. Then underline two of them. Next, you pick three items that will help you. They can be equipment, people or places. So for example, if you're an athlete, it might be a baseball bat. It might be a toolkit, a crappy gun, a petal chainsaw, a walkie-talkie, a camcorder. My uncle is a sheriff or a secret laboratory. So you want to think of your tropes, your, your tropes and think of your archetype and pick three items. Then underline two of them. So if we think of an example character, my example character is Brad Devlin, the school jock and football star. He's got three in body, four in agility, two in wit and four in charm. His survival is six, which is his wit and his charm added together. His traits are fast on his feet, smartly dressed, amateur wrestler. And I've underlined fast on his feet and amateur wrestler. His items are a football helmet, a friend at the local paper and a pocket knife. And there I've underlined football helmet and pocket knife. So character creation is very quick, very simple. So playing the game, the dice pool. All roles in the game will be contested either between the players or a player against the GM. And you start with the number of dice in your pool equal to the attributes you're using. What are those four attributes? Then you look at your traits and items and see if them any apply any of them apply to what you're doing with your attribute and the task in hand. If the item or trait is underlined, you'll add two dice to your pool. Otherwise, you'll add a dice to your pool. The GM can also award further bonus dice for advantages that apply, and that's a number between one and three, and is purely at the GM's discretion. So each side rolls their dice pools and compares them. The highest dice in the pool wins. If, when the two pools have been rolled, both pools have the same highest dice, that single dice is discarded and you look at the next highest dice. 
and you continue doing that until one of the dice pools has a higher number than the other dice pool. If one of the dice pool runs out of dice, the other pool wins. And in the rare case of both pools having the same number of dice and exactly the same rolls, then it is a tie. The margin of success is determined by the winner, and how many dice they have higher than the highest dice in the loser's pool wins. I've added one exception to this. If your pool only starts with one dice, then the maximum your opponent of margin of success your opponent can get is one. Successes can be carried over to related following actions, providing the actions are not the same. So if you're aiding or hindering somebody else, or you're setting yourself up for a further task, any successes you make can be added to the next roll. However, you can't use it for the same action. So if you're making a second attack or re-attempting to pick the same lock, then it wouldn't apply. When it comes to combat, everybody in the combat describes what the character is doing. And they may change their minds when they hear what other players or NPCs declare. And this continues around the table until everybody is happy with the actions they declare. Once everyone has decided their actions, each person and the GM full NPCs rolls their pool of dice. If after declaring your actions, a player decides to completely defend, they may gain two bonus dice to add to their full, but forgo any attacks. So for example, I decide that I'm going to attack one of the NPCs, but when they're describing on the table, the GM says that two NPCs are going to attack me. I will then decide, you know what, I'm going to completely defend, I'm going to roll the same dice pool, but I'm going to add two bonus dice and re-roll. But if I do that as a defend action, then I can't do any attacks. So everyone rolls the dice at the same time, and initiative is decided by order of the highest dice, as we do with tasks. And we look for the single highest dice, and that person or NPC will take the first action. If a number of people tie for the highest dice, look at the next highest dice, and so on, until you have got the highest dice. The player with the highest dice then completes their action, and if it's an attack against a person and the opponent has not acted, they have a choice. They can abandon their planned action and defend by discarding their current roll and re-rolling all their defense dice pool and adding any bonuses, or they can continue with their planned action but defend with a single dice. And if you remember the rule with a single dice, that you can only have a maximum of one success margin of success against you. If the opponent has already acted, they can roll their entire, entire dice pool in defence. The winner will reduce the survival of the opponent by one point per margin of success. So if you have a margin of success of three, then you would reduce the opponent's survival by three. When survival has reached zero, they have been defeated and fallen to the wounds. The players and GM then can narrate the grisly outcome, and again thinking of the tropes of the, of the genre. At the end of a conflict, any surviving characters will recover half the survival. Lost this round, rounded down. This is to look at the films when characters get their second win, something bad happens to them, but they carry on going. So if you survive a conflict, you get half your survival back. A player can also increase the survival by one point for playing to any of the tropes. So for example, if they decide to go off on their own, use drink and drugs, investigate a strange noise, or running towards danger, or anything else the GM feels fits in with the troops of the film, a player increases their survival by one point. Character growth. Should a player act heroically or put themselves in significant danger for another they can, if it's dramatically appropriate, gain experience. And you have a choice. 
you may pick a new trait or item that is appropriate for their recent actions. So for example, if you've been driving a car, you may pick up the, a new trait of fast driving. However, if you've not been anywhere near a car in the adventure up to now, then you wouldn't be able to pick a trait like that. It's got to be appropriate for the story that we've been telling. Besides picking a new item or trait, you may also underline a previous trait or item. You may have a maximum of one more underlined trait than non-underlined traits, and you may have a maximum of one underlined item than non-underlined items. So you will always have a maximum of one more that's underlined in your traits. And that is the rules for the players. Games Masters. Roll for it if necessary. Look, thinking back to Dungeon World and other games like that, if it's like the outcome, you don't roll, it just happens. If it's an impossible task and it can't happen, they don't even roll dice. You only roll dice for an unlikely item. The GM rolls a pool of dice for the task at hand, and that is the challenge rating. And for normal challenges, if it's easy, he'll roll three dice, average five dice, the difficult or hard task will be seven dice, and the very hard challenge will be nine dice. For NPCs and monsters, I renamed the survival attribute as fear. It has exactly the same meaning as survival, but it just gives it a nice flavor. A monster's attributes of fear are equal to the challenge rating. So you, you pick a challenge rating for the monster, and that is its, its, its fear and its attribute rating. They can also have one to three underlined traits and one to three non-underlined traits. And there is no hard and fast rules for the GM to do this. It's just what seems right. So, for example, let's give you some example monsters. So a skeleton would be challenge rating three and their trait would be hard to hit, underlined and undead. A serial killer, challenge rating five. Their traits, mask, large knife, underlined, known shortcuts, disguised as anyone, underlined. And you don't have to be define what the traits are. Use your imagination when it comes to the table. A T-Rex would be challenge rating nine. Its traits, tough hide, underlined, fast, teeth and claws, underlined, good eyesight. And you can design your NPCs, your monsters, as you see fit. That's just some examples. And I've added some two optional rules. If you want a more brutal horror movie, change the dice from six-sided dice to either eight, 10 or 12-sided dice. And as you will realize, it'll give it a larger spread of points on the die faces when you roll them. And it can also mean that there's more damage caused if you want a more heroic game, you can give out hero points to your characters and you can start with one to three hero points and the character would spend the hero points to re-roll all of their dice. The GM can award hero points for good role playing. And that is my submission for the rules light. Nice and simple. It's two sides of A4. I've made it into a trifold document so you can fold it into thirds with the rules and you've got one piece of paper with all the rules on. You can print multiple copies and hand it to your friends. So I will leave a link in the show notes where you can get my Scream and Scream Again rules. And if you have any feedback on them, please call into the show and let me know what you think. 
You have been listening to the Dragons Arena podcast. My name is Pete Jones. You can find more information on my website at petejones.neocities.org. The opening music was Arnison by TJ Drennan. The closing music was Fretless by Kevin McLeod. <laughs>